Joining us this week. This week. (laughs) (laughs) On this weekly edition of this weekly podcast that happens every week. Hello, and welcome to Snark Squad Pod, a media podcast full of friendship, feelings, and snark. My name is Marines. I'm Nicole Sweeney. And today we are joined by Rich and Nick. Hi, I'm Rich Camalucci, host of the Whack Pack at the Whack Pack Live on Instagram, where Rip rips open another pack of trading cards every single day. We raise money for charity. I chew the old gum when we reach goals. And, uh, you know, it's gross and fun all at the same time. Gross for me, fun for everyone else. And I'm Nick Jenkins. I'm an executive producer at Complexly Media, and I don't have anything to promote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's, what is what is the burden, the lack of burden of not having anything to promote like? That sounds amazing. <laughs> You're free now. I've been a lot more rested. I'll tell you that. I really have. <laughs> And just in case you didn't see the title of this episode in your your player, if this is just auto-playing, I hope you guessed by now that Rich and Nick are back with us <laughs> uh, because we are once again revisiting the MCU uh, to talk about Black Widow. And I guess because this is a single movie, we're not going to do the, the, the pass back plot synopsis. And it's my turn to, to do Just a plot you, synopsis. Nicole. Just you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's been so long since I've done this. So bear with me. I apologize in advance. So Black Widow starts in 1995, Ohio, where a blue-haired young Natasha is leading a pretty generic Midwestern childhood with her little sister, Yelena, and her parents, Alexi and Melina. Um, This idyllic childhood is interrupted when dad comes home and says it's time to go because they're actually Russian spies. A big chase scene ensues, and the family narrowly escapes on their secret hidden prop plane. Um, Also, we see Alexei flip something rather large, so we know that he's got some super strength. Um, The family lands in Cuba, where a maybe dying Melina is rushed away, and a bunch of soldiers go to separate the girls, and baby Natasha deathly steals a gun and threatens to murder all of these men if they touch her little sister. Um, And this is the first of many times that I cried. That's the experience that I had. (laughs) (laughs) Alexei convinces Natasha to give him the gun, and the girls are sedated. The credits are a montage of the girls growing up in Assassin Boarding School, aka the Red Room, while a really dope and haunting cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit plays in the background, and I've had it stuck in my head all day. Uh, 21 years later, Nat is on the run in the immediate aftermath of Captain America Civil War and the Sokovia Accords. She arrives at a trailer in a super remote part of Norway where her friend Rick, whose name I had to look up because he appears a few times just to like give Natasha stuff. So Rick has set her up with this place to hide out and a bunch of identities to get by on. Um, He also brings her some mail that was waiting for her in Budapest, which she dismissively insists that she does not want and puts in the trunk of her car. In Morocco, Nat's little sister is all grown up and leading a team of other lady assassins. They get made by their target and Yelena chases her. Uh, critically wounded, this target manages to spray Yelena with like a weird red dust thing. Uh, Yelena freaks out and tries to save this woman that she totally just killed, um, asking herself like, what have I done? Uh, uh, the woman tells Yelena to free the others before she dies. The package that the target had is a case full of vials of the red stuff. 
back in Norway, Nat's generator fails, and so she has to go into town. And on her way, she gets taken out by a truck dri- driven by a like fully covered up, super strong, robot looking assassin. Natasha thinks that this person is there to capture the fugitive Avenger, but in fact, uh, they're there for something in that mail that Natasha totally didn't want. Nat is clearly losing to this person, but manages to sneak the stuff like out of the case and uh, escape. And we see that it is the red vials, along with a picture of Nat and Yelena as kids. So Natasha goes back to Budapest to track down her sister. After a uh, tense, shall we say, reunion, Yelena explains that the vials are the antidote to a mind control thing, and a bunch of widows break in and quickly demonstrate the mind control in action. After escaping, Natasha and Yelena catch up on their respective assassin lives after their fake parents gave them up. Natasha was super sure that she had already taken down the Red Room and murdered its leader, Drakov, years ago, but now that she knows this isn't true, she and Yelena decide they're going to take him down for real this time. Um, unfortunately, he's very good at hiding, which is why like, she thought the job was done already, but it really wasn't. Uh, Yelena has no idea how to find Drakov because as a security protocol, widows are sedated upon coming and going from wherever the fuck he is. And so... They need to track down dear old dad, who is in a Russian prison. With the help of a plane or a helicopter, maybe, I don't know, like a flying thing of some sort that Rick gets them, Natasha and Yelena do a big prison break and also cause an avalanche, killing everybody at the prison and narrowly escaping with Alexi. Alexi wants to bask in his super soldier glory days, and the girls are just, like, real pissed, you know, on account of how he, like, handed them over uh, to their lead their assassin lives. He can't help them find Drakov either. But you know who can? Mom, who is alive and actually a brilliant scientist and does important science for Drakov at a remote location. So the family descend on Melina's secret science lab where she's doing mind control on pigs because basically she is the one who developed the mind control for the Red Room. Yelena has a really emotional moment about how this was the only family she's ever known and like it was real to her. Um, and also like, hi, thanks for the fucking mind control, mom. Uh, so she storms off and Alexi follows her, leaving Nat alone with Melina. They chat for a bit and then Melina admits that she uh, like, of course, told the Red Room that they're there and like Red Room people would be there any minute. Uh, so the trio is promptly taken out apparently with Melina's help, but back at Red Room HQ, we quickly learn that all is not as it seems, and Melina and Natasha did some sort of super spy face swap tech thing. Actual Natasha is alone with Drakov. She quickly gets found out by him and is getting like beaten up because Drakov has some sort of weird pheromone thing that keeps people from hurting him. I don't know. I skipped something, a big thing, which is that at some point earlier in the movie, we learned that Natasha's big Budapest mission was killing Drakov um, and that in order to find him, she had followed his daughter and killed them both. Or so she thought because uh, the robot assassin is there and she takes off her helmet to reveal a scarred face because she is actually Drakov's daughter, Antonia. So actually, Nat killed nobody in Budapest. (laughs) Um, She completely failed this mission. Uh, Elsewhere, Melina helps Alexei and Yelena get free. Drakov sends his daughter to go deal with them. Somewhere in here, we learn that this is all happening in the sky, um, not on the ground. And Melina destroys part of the plane, kicking off a lot of very dramatic exploding and parachuting, fighting, escaping stuff. In a moment that is reminiscent of Natasha grilling Loki in Avengers 1, um, after asking Alexei a lot of questions about his grand plans, she thanks him for his cooperation uh, before smashing her own head in order to destroy the nerve that is being controlled by the magic pheromones um, and she's able to fight Alexi. Uh, he gets away though um, and a bunch of widows He are, come in and he tells them to like make her suffer and so they're beating the shit out of her but eventually Yelena appears and sets off like a vile bomb of sorts 
freeing them all from the mind control. Yelena ultimately gets to finish off Dracov herself uh, in a move that looks like it's going to kill her. And Natasha calls out to her like, no, don't do it. And she does it anyway um, and like gets kicked off the plane by an explosion. So Natasha grabs a parachute and jumps off of the sky building. I cannot call this a plane. She jumps off the sky building <laughs> after her sister. Um, she gets a parachute on Yelena, uh, but then she sees Antonia zooming towards her. So she leaps off of Yelena towards Antonia and they somehow manage to get a chute pulled before reaching the ground they're in the they're in the sky for like a really long time. On the ground, Antonia's still trying to kill Nat, but Nat manages to break another vial, freeing Antonia from the mind control. And then that's all resolved. So the widows and Nat's fake family are all on the ground, and Nat sends them off to free all of the other widows. Um, Natasha decides to stay and deal with the arriving authorities for, you know, reasons. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't understand why she couldn't go with them, to be honest. But uh, whatever. Two weeks later... Rick gets Nat the plane that she uses to gather up all the fugitive Avengers for Infinity War. Something something family roll credits. Post credits. Yelena is at Nat's grave and Val, who we met in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though in theory this should have been her first appearance. Um, Val, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is there to give Yelena her next assignment, the person responsible for Nat's death, Clint. And for real. You did it. Yeah, you. you did it. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, And now that you did do it, I get to ask the question we always ask up here at the top. And that is, did you like it? So did you like it, guys? Uh, I I absolutely did like it. Also, full disclosure, um, I saw this as part of a double feature with Space Jam. So there's a lot of similar (laughs) themes. And if I get the two confused, please forgive me. Just put me back on track. (laughs) Really, really enjoyed it. And I'm loving this like like flow of of grounded grounded quote unquote marvel movies i was and gonna say <laughs> you know like we didn't have any relative. like grounded as witches. a relative term yes exactly yes. like we didn't have any witches or you know like time variants or anything like that but yeah overall i did like it i'm actually of two minds about this movie i do not think that this movie is bad but it is not the movie that i wanted and we'll talk about that more as we go through it and there were some moments in here I absolutely loved, and they were worth the whole movie in and of themselves. Yelena whistling at Nat's grave, I think, moved me in ways I wasn't expecting uh, for this movie to do. And uh, I really liked all of the stuff in Norway as well. I was just like, okay, I'm I'm revving up for this for this like she's got to be incognito movie, like a real spy thriller where she has to stay hidden. But then it quickly goes beyond that. And then it, it ties into also like why Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is my favorite MCU character that this movie did its work to kind of undo. But at the same time, I loved this whole cast yeah. in a way that like I have not loved a whole cast in any Marvel movie probably ever before. Like every single actor in here, with the exception of an actor who I do like, which is Ray Winstone. I just don't think he got enough screen time to do much of anything except be nasty. But everybody else was wonderful. Even her friend Rick was wonderful. But like the main players were so good. I could just watch them in these roles forever. So we'll talk more about it and dissect it, I think. But I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50. This is not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's better than... Things like Doctor Strange and, in my opinion, Captain Marvel. Like, I, I think it's it, it ascends those films, but it also 
fell short in a lot of ways that I was hoping it wouldn't. I don't appreciate being attacked in my own home like that. <laughs> However, I generally really like this movie. I haven't thought about like how or where I would rank this movie, but I really, really enjoyed this. It, it, it's it's high. It would be high on my list. It, it is not a 50-50. It is definitely like a solid, yes, I liked this movie. I think it has some problems, um, but like uh, overwhelmingly, I enjoyed this experience um, and uh, I, I, I cried so much. You guys, I cried so much. <laughs> so, uh, and I laughed too. I laughed a lot. I laughed. I cried. Come on. Uh, yeah, I liked this movie. I did too. So I I enjoyed myself. I think I was expecting, like Nick said, something that was a little bit more spy thrillery. So the fact that it was um, very much like family family drama <laughs> mixed with like a spy thriller like I was unexpected but also very much my jam um and I think that the the ways that this made me feel bad things were not necessarily a fault of the movie but just reminders of the way that the MCU has failed Black mm. Widow yes and like those were the times that I was like Oh, damn it. Um, but that's not the movie's fault, per se. It, it is just, it, it just kept reminding me of all of these things. Um, but otherwise, like, I had a, a fun time watching it. Um, I was on the edge of my seat. I was stressed out at moments. I thought it was well paced because even when we had sort of the quieter moments or like, you know, everybody around the table talking, like, I was still very invested. So mm -hmm. generally enjoyable, would rewatch. Probably, like, not my favorite, but, you know, solidly good. Um, yeah, so let's dig in a little bit there. And I think the best place to start, well, the place I'm going to start, regardless <laughs> of if it's the best or not, um, <laughs> is characters and performances. So we'll start at the top with Scarlett Johansson as Nat. So we've seen her play this role quite a bit, but this is the first time that she's kind of, I mean, she's headlined this movie, but I guess the question is, did she? <laughs> How did you guys feel about her and her performance and her story the story that she gets to have here um i like how you frame that because that's actually one of my critiques of the film is or not critiques it's one of the things that i feel like i'm still a little bit confused on is who's the protagonist of this movie but i love scarlett johansson's performance of black widow across the mcu even when she's given bad material she makes something good out of it and in here, I I love going through a movie with her, having her get to have a whole movie. I, I absolutely loved that. Nicole and I were talking about this the other day, the fact that Scarlett Johansson is such a good actor that she kind of has chemistry with everyone she's on screen with, um, which is, you know, in stark contrast to like the other non-superpowered Avenger, Jeremy Renner who does not have chemistry with everyone he's he interacts with. Um, but ScarJo does. She's she's awesome. And I loved her in this movie. I think there were a couple other more flashy roles in this, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I found her as usual, very magnetic and just really fun to watch. Yeah, it feels like the character and her in the movie was starting from like a a, a point of disadvantage almost because like mm -hmm. I remember hearing that this was going to be announced and obviously it was after Infinity War and everything and just kind of thinking to myself like, well, what's wh why should I even invest in this? It's going to be something that for a character that's, you know, like 
gone from this story and and so like what's what am i going to be exactly like looking for out of this um and then they announced the rest of the cast and i was like ah, come on <laughs> all right fine i guess that's how you're going to get me this time but she carried it you know i had a, a a tough time like relating to a lot of like the 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 sister moments not just because i'm i i am not a sister nor have one but you know straight up only child here but Basically, she was the Dom Toretto of what should have been F9. <laughs> this was the F9 movie that I wanted, essentially. Family. Family. Damn. And not necessarily found family, but forced family? Spy <laughs> family? I mean, they, they did crash a really nice BMW. They did. That's that's like the first... It was a car chase. That's the yes. first moment I'm just like, this is what I wanted out of, out of what was generally a disappointing F9. But this isn't the F9 <laughs> podcast. Yeah, for someone who's gotten basically kind of like short shrift throughout a lot of this journey, happy to see everything here that she got to do and did. I, I would agree with everything that's been said in terms of Scarlett Johansson's performance here. That, like, there's absolutely nothing to find fault with. I think that she is great um, as Black Widow. I think that in general, she, you know, did everything that this movie asked of her incredibly well. I do think that it is, there is some confusion as to whose movie this this is, whose movie this is meant to be, um, because I, I do think that there are a lot of like key emotional bits in terms of processing what the Red Room did to these women that Yelena gets and Natasha doesn't really get to do any of that. Like none of none of right. that processing is done by her. And that like that is the thing that fundamentally bothers me about this movie because it does feel like, I don't know, like Natasha deserved her own movie. Um and so giving all of the all of those kind of big moments to another character that is the thing that like bothers me most about this movie. That being said, I really love the whole dynamic with Natasha and Yelena. Like I like their whole relationship I think is is fantastic. Tying her story to, you know, this this idea that she has this family um, is great for this character, but also reminded me <laughs> of the other things that the MCU has done that make me mad uh, that are not this movie's fault, but like Oh my god, I just once I'm just I just can't help I cannot escape the rage that I feel about how it should have been Clint. How it should have fucking been Clint. Um and this movie like she had a family. Natasha did Natasha had a family too. So it's a right. fuck you, Clint. Anyway, that's that's what I have to say about that. I I agree. So a lot of what I briefly read about like reviews for this movie and whatnot kind of take the tone of um florence Pugh and yelena steal the show and and like thinking about it i kind of had a, almost a defensive reaction to that because i think that scarlett johansson did a great job i think she really did a wonderful job in this movie and it was so like i was so happy to see her in this movie finally and to have this moment and i think in a lot of ways it's what Nick said. She doesn't have the flashiest parts or the scenes necessarily, but she is the emotional core and she is like the glue of this movie, Yeah. which I think the point maybe is that when you finally have like kind of your your moment to shine, maybe you don't want to be described as the glue, um, but that <laughs> is essentially what she ended up being in this movie was the glue that, that held everything together. And I think that 
everything that I can think of, you know, that we're kind of saying that some of these like bigger emotional moments went to Yelena, some of the funniest moments went to David Harbour, like there were so many other pieces of it. But the problem I think is essentially that we're getting a Black Widow movie now. This was not an introduction. This is not a character introduction. This is not an origin story. We already know Natasha, you know, pretty pretty well across the many movies that we've seen her we haven't had the time to like spend with her and and dive in deep but any sort of origin story here would feel a little bit out of place Mm -hmm. so what they end up having to do is give her a chapter in her story and introduce a bunch of other characters so they get all of like the flashiest moments of introduction and the excitement of all of that and natasha's like plodding along in her story um so even some of the emotional processing didn't really make sense for her here because we've seen some of that dating back to I've got red in my ledger. Like, you know, she's been working through that for some time where Yelena just kind of woke up. So I don't even really blame the writing. I think that it had a tough, I blame the MCU for bringing (laughs) us to this point where we had to have like, you know, this kind of movie be a chapter in Black Widow's story instead of like the thing that she deserved. But I think that overall, Scarlett Johansson Johansson handled it well, um, as did, as I've mentioned, Florence Pugh, who, you know, you have to give it to her. She is a scene stealer. She is just absolutely a scene stealer. And I loved watching her in this. Did you guys have the same experience? Oh, yeah. I I feel that way, though, about like her and David Harbour both. I don't think Rachel Weisz got as much screen time as either of them. But Rachel Weisz now has... I think my favorite line in the entire MCU with also my favorite line reading, which is at the end when uh, Scarlett Johansson says, is everybody okay? And she says, I am clearly injured. (laughs) (laughs) It it was so beautifully, and I love Rachel Weisz. And so it was good to see her back kind of in a comic role. Mm. A lot of what she was doing was, you know, as when she talks in a horrible green screen, uh, segment where she talks about how I have accidentally caused an explosion and we're now crashing to the ground. You know, she gets to do a little bit more stuff like that and it's really good, but she gets her emotional beats too. But yeah, I think Florence Pugh and David Harbour really do the most scene stealing and in different ways, um, which is also kind of amazing. Yeah. Florence Pugh, that kid's a star. Like there's no (laughs) ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like if you hadn't seen Fighting With My Family or Midsommar, to this point, like, this is going to be, like, the big coming out party. Very excited for her to be a part of the MCU moving forward. Yeah. Especially in the capacity, it seems as though she will be. She was the one I left the theater talking about, you know? Like, her and and David Harbour, but mostly David Harbour, just for, like, I'm glad he kind of got, like, another shot at, like, being in the movies. Because Hellboy wasn't it, yeah. <laughs> you know? And and I mean Rachel Vice, I will I'll I'll jump off a cliff for Rachel Vice. I was gonna say I'll stop I'll um, step in front of a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, like again, that's the reason why I was like so excited to see the movie is because like everyone they cast around Scarlett Johansson, um, and everyone like absolutely delivered. I also really loved Florence Pugh's performance here, and like to repeat what has already been said, <laughs> she absolutely stole every scene that she was in. To go back to the thing about like whose story this is and the fact that you know Natasha can't get an origin story at this point in the MCU, like this is great as Yelena's origin story within the MCU as the introduction for this character. I am so excited, uh, you know, for this character 
even though it seems like she's probably going to be like a bad guy. I don't care. I'm excited. I'm ready to root for her to kill an Avenger. I love it. <laughs> go, you go get him, girl. Especially if that Avenger is clear. No, I was going to say, does like- that, that, I don't know who, if I've rooted for anyone harder in the MCU. Correct. Correct. I can't wait for her to kill an Avenger. I love like, that for her. That is, that is babyface status right there. <laughs> and the, that's the other thing about this movie is that like, in addition to being just a chapter in Black Widow's sort of already finished story it was also a handoff Mm -hmm. so it was like doing double duty here and i think just like nicole said that as a introduction to yelena and as a handoff it worked very well and i don't think that i was expecting i wasn't spoiled for uh the end credit scene at all so i wasn't expecting the 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 direction that that went but also yes if you're going to make her kind of bad the best way to make me still root for her is to give her Clint as a target. Like the mm-hmm. movie knew <laughs> that after like all the sitting through that, all I would be thinking was it should have been Clint. And it then it was like, been Clint. it will be Clint. And <laughs> I was be. like, great. <laughs> well, it goes into the thing that I, I'm kind of most excited about at the larger MCU, which is the idea that Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, Lady Hydra, whatever you want to call her, is assembling like a negative Avengers, which mm-hmm. I, I think is really kind of interesting because I wasn't interested in, oh, whatever the hell bad Captain America was. Yes. Um, but I am interested in this idea that he fills a slot in mm-hmm. this bad guy team that don't know they're bad guys. <laughs> like uh-huh, a uh-huh. suicide squad. Oh. <laughs> you might even call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I mean, that's that's the other thing of like changing expectations is that Val showed up in Falcon and the Win- Winter Soldier, which had like, I don't know, 17 too many villains. <laughs> and so by yes. the time that Val showed up, I was like, my God, like, I, I do not want any part of the storyline either. But yes, putting her next to uh, Florence Pugh in front of Nat's grave, I was like... You're right, MCU. I am now interested. Every time I think I'm done, <laughs> I am now interested. To Nick's point about Val assembling the the sort of bad guy Avengers or whatever, I am also really curious and like interested to see how how exactly um, that comes together. And I agree that like our first person <laughs> being fake Cap, I was ambivalent, did not care. But now that we got Yelena on the team, now I'm invested. I'm interested to see where this goes. But it reminds me of something that um, Sam Schultz said uh, uh, when we were talking about the, the DC movies, but about like, just in general, the way in which a lot of the like Marvel villains have been, I don't know, a, a lot of them have been kind of underwhelming. And I, I am just really, really curious to see uh, just to see like this them come together as as our as a future you know uh, antagonist force yeah also a thing to keep in mind is that uh originally we were supposed to see this was supposed to be val's introduction right right interestingly i think we would have been much more uh on board with the whole val bad what is his name john something uh, i don't know fake cap is what we call him fake cap yeah <laughs> u.s agent i, believe, I think is his well u.s agent title. definitely but um but fake cap we would have been more interested in that because we're like okay i'm seeing where this is going but to start with him you're kind of like yeah we're gonna have to see exactly. more of him and honestly if we had met val here her showing up as a villain number 18 in, in uh <laughs> 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier wouldn't have felt like, oh, here's right. another villain uh-huh. we're being introduced to. It would have been like an like a neat like Easter egg thing or like, oh my God, here she is again. Uh-huh. Uh, so this whole like switcheroo did, did no, I mean, at least it did no good for Falcon and the Winter yeah. Soldier, which needed all of the help that it could get. <laughs> it needed the assist. I think, like not really having any background on the Val character at all, I think if this was my introduction to her, I would have thought that, well, I certainly wouldn't have thought that she was necessarily a villain. Right. Because uh, this whole movie, I've been, you know, uh, uh, made to, to like Elena and like want to see what becomes of her and what, you know, she does after this and, you know, uh, all of that, like all the good stuff that I imagine she's going to do, like she's going to take up, you know, where her sister left off and whatnot. And then seeing, you know, someone come in just be like, Hey, we're going to take out Hawkeye. I'm just like, yes, even better. You're the best person in the MCU right now. Morally on the moral scale, you are where I want people to be. (laughs) And then, yeah. And then I'd, I'd probably be pretty confused or conflicted having seen her going after uh, a u.s agent then whereas well i i eventually would have been confused anyway because i was certainly confused like all right well what is this then what exactly is her the whole bag yeah all of this that we've been talking about fits in nicely in terms of like the larger mcu we talked about (laughs) cap's friends a lot uh we did not dedicate an episode to that show because um you know all of the feelings were negative (laughs) but i i mean i will include my own feelings in there so we can just go ahead yes all negative yeah i was (laughs) at best lukewarm on that's the episode (laughs) we did our six weeks six weeks of live stream and we were like we are not re-watching this for a podcast episode absolutely not i refuse (laughs) I, that means there's a gap in our MCU podcasting, but you know, it's I don't care. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> y'all get it. Yeah, you come get on. they do. You watch the I show. Mean, we really, truly, we just recorded the episode. All of the feelings are negative. <laughs> uh, there it is. <laughs> uh, but my question is about how this fits into the timeline because this happens like in between a bunch of stuff that we've already seen. So, did this like recolor any of what we've seen? Were there any questions that this like left open or anything like that? Or are there any other like larger MCU things? Besides, it should have been Clint that this brought up for you. <laughs> okay, wait. Before people answer your very legitimate question, when you said timeline, I thought you were talking about like where it fits in chronological order. And I saw a thing that says that it goes right before Infinity War. But I would argue that it should go before Ant-Man and the Wasp because the post-credit scene on Ant-Man mm. and the Wasp makes that feel like that should be the one that goes immediately before um, Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, and this no. should go before well, no. Ant-Man and the Wasp. It goes immediately after uh, well, no, I guess you're right. That's there. what I'm saying. That's the list that I saw had it as Ant Man and the Wasp, Black Widow, Infinity War, and I feel like that's wrong. It's, like Ant Man and the Wasp ends with with Ant Man dusting, get, yeah, yeah, with, with them with them dusting. It's so. very much a Tokyo Drift situation in which <laughs> that movie happens like ten minutes into Furious Seven. So I understand the confusion. Yeah, there's like a lot of piecing together that you would have to do of like parts and end credits and stuff like that to make it actually work. Uh, It is, it is pretty confusing if you do try and like piece it together uh, uh, accurately, but yeah. Well, right. And because the only part of Ant-Man and the Wasp, we know exactly when it happens is that end credits. So it's possible that that whole movie happened 
days earlier than Black Widow. We don't know for yeah, sure. Yeah, like at least Black Widow gives you that like however many months later or whatever. Whereas, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Ant-Man doesn't do that. So that kind of does make it a little ambiguous. But yeah. I mean, but it's also possible like you could have a whole other Black Widow or Captain America movie that takes up as she's going to reassemble all of the. Uh, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yes. we don't know. Just so we're clear, I don't want that. <laughs> yes, but like timeline wise. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but you asked a real question. Um. <laughs> yeah, I forgot it now. Because I'm like, I was going to say, okay. can you restate it? Because I'm. I-, <laughs> I forgot it now because I'm trying to think of what order I'm going to watch the movies when I watch them again. Well, it's just also going to get more confusing when we get the Disney Plus show that's about mm-hmm. that one lady like coming up with that antidote to the mind control. It should be a whole show about experimenting on pigs. <laughs> <laughs> um, the question. <laughs> continuity wise how how did this do and did it was there anything else mcu wise like i don't feel like i missed like a lot of easter eggs or call outs or anything like that but you guys would probably know better than i did <laughs> for me it doesn't really matter so much that uh that it 100 line up in terms of linear continuity like as long as it's they sort of suggest yeah it's before this it's after this whatever that that's fine with me but I do think this did a little one of the things that I'll talk about that I didn't like about this movie or that it didn't work for me or it wasn't what I wanted was that it did in some respects break the character's continuity for me which I've been trying to wrap my head around for the last couple of weeks after I've watched this and I actually watched it two times thinking maybe I'll like this better this element of it better the second time. And I did like a lot of elements better the second time. Um, It did improve upon second watching, but not this. And that is the fact that the reason that I like, one of the reasons that I like Black Widow is because she's not super powered. She is not indestructible. She They even do it in other movies, like in the Captain America movies, like Winter Soldier, especially. Um, You guys can get treated now to my dog walking around in my empty house. (laughs) And Winter Soldier, especially, like there's the scene where a bus is about to explode on uh, this highway and she jumps off the side of the highway and then she has a grappling hook and she lands safely on the ground and things like that. And it's because she's smart and she's thinking ahead and she's, she's clever. But in this one, they sort of throw that out and go, well, she's kind of indestructible too. Like it's that fall she takes early on in the film where she bounces off the building three or four times and then lands on her feet. And then they kind of make a joke about it later where Yelena is like, oh, well, you know, Thor doesn't need an ibuprofen. And I'm like, is that all you need? Like this. So this is something that like kept coming back to me that like, this is not the Black Widow that I've like appreciated so much. Someone who has to be smarter than everyone else. Someone has to be more prepared and someone who has to rely on being um, physically gifted in different ways. Um, or physically well-trained in different ways. So in terms of continuity, it fits perfectly for me into the timeline. But in terms of character, that actually did do some damage in my eyes. But maybe it's just me. I actually had a little bit of a, a different experience hearing you talk about it. I'm like, yeah, there were there were scenes, um, Nicole also mentioned, like they were in the sky for like approximately <laughs> 20, 30 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> um, so there were obviously parts of it that were stretching. It, it's still a superhero movie, but you're right about, you know, Black Widow and how she's always like han- handled her fight sequences and, and her skills. I think, though, that I kind of had a different 
uh, take on it because one of the earliest things we see is Scarlett Johansson not changing her shirt and her back full of bruises. And I don't know why it really took me off guard. We've obviously seen her hurt before and like bloody, but it's usually like a bloody gash. Um, Seeing her back full of bruises like that and and kind of the look that Yelena gives her in that moment, it was very much like, oh, like this is this isn't a super powered being. This is just her, right? And in a moment where she's on the run and she's just a person and she's just well-trained. And in this movie, she's coming up against sort of like the ghost of that training or whatnot. So that was kind of what led my impression. So as it went on, I didn't really think much about those like longer fight sequences. It, it fit fine for me. And, and the joke about the ibuprofen, I was like, <laughs> great. Love it. <laughs> I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, though, Nick, in terms of like both how we have seen this character portrayed before and versus like how she is portrayed in this movie. It didn't take me out of the movie at any point like I didn't notice it I guess this is really the main the the main reason that my experience was different to me it is the kind of thing that feels like uh, you know, a condition of this just being another superhero movie. But I, I understand wanting it to be more of the sort of spy thriller that it felt like at the beginning. Um, and and like in the event that they made a movie more like that, <laughs> you, you would have less uh, less of this stuff. So I, I don't know. I, mostly what I'm saying is that this is a critique that I did not personally experience, but I also like it, it it tracks to me is is sort of where I land on this. Yeah, and I understand that. It's just it 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 started there, and then it went immediately into that car chase where they're getting thrown out of cars, off bridges, and just landing and getting up and being like, "Okay, we're fine. Let's keep running." <laughs> you know, and it I don't know. It just it did it, it didn't stop the overall enjoyment of the movie, but it was something that I had to readjust to. I guess. Yeah, I think for for Black Widow her being able to maintain some of that and you know her her lesser powers or whatnot and and maintain the re like the I don't want to say realistic because it's still what it is but you know for her to maintain that throughout the movies we've seen her in it's because she had the other people at her back right so Mm -hmm. she couldn't fly away and do anything but somebody else was there who could but as like the person leading a superhero movie it kind of had to up the ante so you're right the ways that they used her here was probably more than what we've seen in other movies and now if I rewatch this it will be a thing that I pay attention to but (laughs) it certainly wasn't on first watch (laughs) well that is interesting though because it does play into something that i think is one of my favorite i don't it's not a moment it's actually sort of a sequence of events that is probably my favorite moment in the mcu right now like not this movie entirely but so they trap taskmaster in that glass prison right Mm -hmm. the moment after that where uh natasha realizes that for her, she has to save Antonia and how that, that conversation she has where she knows that things are going, she is about to probably get hurt or killed, but she has to try to save this person. I think that is some of the best writing. And that's where I found Scarlett Johansson's prowess as an actor to be really on display. Like she communicated very clearly what she was going through at that point. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. And you could, Jesus Christ, 
you could have had something with that with also with the the damage she was sustaining, but I understand maybe not wanting to do that, taking away from the fantasy, but still it was a it, 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 it was it was so weird to have that back and forth for me where I was like, man, they are nailing this to wow, this is what happened to this character that I love. So what's interesting about it too is that the the movie is pretty like brutal too. So I mean yeah. like the you know the point about the like the bruises and the like, so it's not the kind of thing where they were trying to like make it like it's not bloodless you know uh i I could see how you could scale it back in some places to resolve some of this uh so yeah i don't know i think there's only one final thing that i wanted to touch on before we get out of here and um that is that i really we've kind of talked about how this has performed as a superhero movie and one of the things that i really appreciated that it did and i knew this was coming because nicole kind of gave me a forewarning um was like (laughs) the like on the nose themes of like family and girl power and all of that stuff. I ate it right up. I, I, I could imagine that there are critiques of that, but all of that stuff, I don't know. In, in a Black Widow movie, I was like, yep. Give it to me. Yes, the yes, the, the the very on the nose speech about like the thing that this world has too much of disposable girls, like whatever, like that, like I yes, like is it is it incredibly on the nose? Yes, did I love it? Yes, <laughs> also yes. <laughs> I, and for what this movie is, because to you know everything that we have been saying, this is not just a movie. This is not just Natasha's movie, right? Like this is the this is the Black Widow movie, and so like it's it's bigger than than just that. It is the introduction of this other sort of central character, and like it's it's the context for her backstory that we've only heard alluded to and like alluded to in ways that fucking sucked at times. Um, I'm looking at you, Age of Ultron. <laughs> to have this be the 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 movie that is laying out, no, here's what that backstory actually is. I just like I think it handled it handled all of that stuff really, really well. And I one of the things that, you know, that like comic book and superhero movies do is just like very on the nose messaging. Like that's that's the thing. That's like the whole all of these heroes are very obvious uh you know, like moral thematic whatever messages. And so I yeah, I, I was into it. Well, okay. <laughs> so, I'm totally on board with all of the messaging. I felt there were a couple of gaps uh that that showed themselves in ways that I wasn't expecting that were sort of surprising. Um, one of them was I just felt like Ray Winstone's character, whatever the heck his name is, I can never remember it. I feel like he shows up at the beginning and then shows up at the end. And I had to remind myself of who he was. And I don't know, it just felt like he was very underserved in this movie. I, it, I, I get the point, And yes, he's a nasty, horrible person. But it still just seemed like Oh, who is he again? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. He was the one that put them through this. I don't know. It felt, I don't know if it was just because his character didn't do much or because he was actually underwritten in the entire screenplay. I don't know. But that was my perspective on it. I sort of felt that a little bit, mostly just because like, you don't really see his face at the beginning. And so you're just kind of like trying to put together like, oh, is this indeed the same dude maybe you just should have kept him in the dope tracksuit the whole time i don't know yeah and the other thing that i i guess would be another it's not even a negative it was it was a curiosity was uh it took me two watches 
to, to kind of get this point. But when they're having this wonderful conversation in the car about the vest that Yelena has just bought. <laughs> and she says, when I first saw it, I was very confused when she says, this is the first time in my life I've ever had control over anything. And I went, what? What are you? Huh? I was a little bit lost because I spent absolutely zero time with that character before she got woken out of her mind control that there was no like difference between her before and after hmm. second time viewing. I was fine with it and it made sense and I was totally cool. Maybe this is just a problem with me being a little dense, but it did. It did take a while that I was kind of like, wait, was she, was she a zombie before this? Was she some sort of like, so I, because we didn't really get to see her before the after didn't translate as well. And I, and so because as far as we're concerned, Yelena has always been that person as long as we've known her, if that makes sense. I don't know. It was something that I just found a little bit confusing. I would push back on that because the the first thing that, that happens is, is like her getting woken up from it. Like that's, and like, and then before that vest scene, we have the, 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 the conversation with Natasha and Elena explaining like it was mind control that the, the vials are the anti mind control. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, 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 I think the movie did as much as it needed to, to say she had been under mind control. Well, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To me, that specific part did kind of like backfill things for me as far as just kind of like what it's like to be a black widow and just kind of like this, this agent out there and that like you are at the, the beck and call and the will of just like, you know, this, this one man and that's like controls every aspect of your, your life. You don't really have, any sort of downtime uh, being a Black Widow. Uh, so that's kind of like what I took that part to mean and that it just kind of like sort of colored an aspect of what it's like to be in to be trapped in that sort of thing. I'm like sitting here thinking about um, the bad guy. Well, you know, whatever his name is. The thing that struck me about the moment where Elena is the one kind of on his helicopter who essentially blows it up. I started to think about it in terms uh, of what Nicole was talking about, uh, giving that moment to Yelena versus Nat, right? Because she was the one who was like, that was her original mission that she didn't complete. And he was the one who put her through everything. But the more that I thought about it, the more that I liked that it wasn't Nat who did it. And I kind of like that this guy is in the background because I think it doesn't matter who he is. I mean, it matters in so much as he's the one making the Black Widows. But this isn't a revenge story for Natasha. No part of this is about necessarily getting him. It is she knows the Red Room is still operational. She knows there are Black Widows still out there. And she feels like a sense of duty to that. She's going to go and shut this place down and get those people free and help her sister do it so the fact that that guy is that guy honestly who cares uh it could have been anybody and she would have still done the same thing she would have taken them down so i kind of like that he's a little bit incidental to this plot and i do like that they didn't make this a revenge thing because again that wouldn't necessarily make sense to me for nat at this point that she would like you know after everything she's gone through Mm -hmm. then she would be like oh it's time for revenge now she's on a break the avengers (laughs) are down right now she just she, she was between things and she's like oh the red room is still open okay i guess i'll go handle that that's how it read to me and i like that yeah and it's also just the whole thing is girls that had no family who would come for them and whatever like i i personally read that as the movie's way of saying 
this man actually doesn't matter. Like he is not the point. Um, like he is he 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 ex- exists as the person who is doing this stuff, but like this is this shit is so not about him. And so I just yeah, the to me his his general absence from the movie, I I would not have wanted any more of him. Like I, I'm I'm fine with it. Okay, but I will push back on that. <laughs> I'm going to push back on your pushing. Yeah, which is to say it's it's fine, I guess, if he doesn't matter. But then you make the entire third act climax take place in a room with him, and I feel like I'm supposed to care a lot more about this than I do. He's at this at that point, he's just bad guy, and and so like I, I know so very little about him that they don't the there's not a lot of emotional resonance. Now there's a lot of emotional resonance with between Antonia and um, Natasha. And there's a lot of emotional resonance between like even what Alexi, because when Alexi is facing down Taskmaster, I think there's emotional resonance for that. But I don't know, just in he's he's so nothing that by the time we have this huge climactic scene, it's like, well, I I understand we're in the climax now because that's how movies work. But (laughs) for me, it's like, I don't know, I'm just not feeling anything here. Even, you know, I was happy when I got that callback to the first Avengers with thank you for your cooperation. Like, that was great. But again, like, I don't know, it just it it just felt sort of vacant to me. So that's my problem with it. It was like, like emotionally within the experience of the movie, it left me cold. And if he doesn't matter, I get that. And I and I do get the thematic the thematic point of that. But for some reason, it just didn't translate into an emotional moment, I think, because for me, he was just generic bad guy at this point. Well, I'm going to push back on your pushing back on my pushing back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to say that I don't, I don't think, I think it was empty kind of on purpose. I don't think it was, I think we were supposed to believe that it was an emotional moment for Nat, that she's having this, but it wasn't again, mm-hmm. because he's so nothing right now at this point. And the big reveal is this was never about emotions or what he's telling me the entire time she's playing him to get the information that she needs and so it reads cold because for nat it is cold she's keeping him talking and in the end she has to knock herself out because he wasn't even strong enough to do that uh so i think that the like the coldness that you feel probably was a little purposeful even though i understand that that doesn't make it a a positive experience like maybe you you needed some more emotional connect at that moment but i think in that room we're getting the sense that this is supposed to be a big deal but it doesn't quite work and we don't know why until she's like haha thanks for your cooperation and you're like ah i get it okay (laughs) and so to add credence to that though i think it's funny because that's the first time that i'd realized oh she's hitting herself because he couldn't hit her hard enough Uh when in my head it was like i thought she was going to keep having her hit her (laughs) until she severed the nerve. So it was weird to me when she did it herself. But with that context of it being a thing of like, she can't even get him to perform basically. (laughs) Like then it does make more sense. I still don't feel like that was clear, but again, Ah, this is just my experience. Before we got into this little thing, I said, okay, one more thing. But this is truly, this is truly, I cannot, this cannot end without me saying that I don't understand how we are still making Marvel movies in 2021 with bad wigs. I I, I don't understand how that is still a thing. I didn't really have strong feelings about the costuming otherwise. I did like that they were kind of in those matching white jumpsuits, Mm -hmm. Yelena and Nat, you know, kind of throughout the the end of the of the 
movie. That was cool. Otherwise, not a lot of strong feelings about costuming, except for Nat's red wig that I just really, I don't understand why that was happening. (laughs) After everything the MCU has done to her, to also (laughs) continue to do terrible wigs. The salt in the wound. It's funny, too, because the quality, quality wigs they've had at times that have completely blown my mind. There's a couple... There's a couple in Captain America movies where Chris Evans is wearing a wig and I had no clue. Then occasionally they will have an awful, awful wig. I'm like, what is the difference? Why is I don't know. I got to tell you, I think I'm wig blind because like someone will point out like a bad wig. I'm just like, uh, yeah, that was atrocious. The key, the key, Rich, is in the in the hairline. The key's all in the hairline. The hairline yeah, you gotta. Yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> yeah. see, now I'm going to like do a deep dive on like historical bad wigs and then I'm ne- never going to not be able to see it again. See, I'm this way with uh, fake mustaches and beards. So occasionally, like the one on William Hurt in this one, I was like, oh, geez, they couldn't get William Hurt to grow a mustache. Okay. <laughs> and then there was there was Doctor Strange had a terrible uh, fake beard and mustache at some point. It was yes. just god awful. Mm-hmm. And some of Loki's wigs have been questionable. Jesus. <laughs> yes. So. Well, those wigs are variants, though. <laughs> those are also baffling, though, because there have been good ones. Right. Yeah. So I'm just like. Where would you do with that wig? What'd you do with the good ones? Like where? They had you to put shoot. Those? They had to shoot that scene on like a Friday at nine p.m. and the good <laughs> hair and makeup person was gone. So this was the Apprentice, and they did the best they could, but they only had like ten minutes to get it on, and everybody else was working on Vision makeup, and so <laughs> got a bad wig. <laughs> Amazing. I would say the only last thing that I want to bring up is I would have appreciated this more had it been honestly a uh, a limited series. I wanted to see more about Yelena. I wanted to see more with the family dynamic. I wanted to see more. And I think this would have benefited from that. That is my opinion. Listen, here on Stark Squad Pod, we are never going to say no to turning a movie into a mini. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and I'm really curious how this whole like new thing, the... MCU is doing with these TV series is going to color my opinions of the movies going forward. If I'm going to feel like all of yeah. them, I'm going to be like, that should have been a they TV should show. should all be TV shows. But to counter that, Falcon and the Winter Soldier should have been, been a movie. movie. Yeah. Should, that Winter should have been a 90-minute movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, get in, get out, let's see some fights, <laughs> let's go home. Literally, just before we started recording, we were eating dinner, my girlfriend Charlie said just she was like looking at something online and she's like remember when we all lost our fucking minds over the daredevil netflix show and how we thought that was like the greatest marvel show that they could have done and how <laughs> quaint that seems now the journey we've been on feels like a lifetime ago yeah well that's because we all lived 14 lifetimes in the last year and a half <laughs> that's a very, so. very good point yeah yeah what's the opposite of the blip that's what we that's what yeah. we all <laughs> It's like, oh, everything just slows down and more people. That's probably why the MCU was like, well, I guess we'll do TV shows yeah, now. We've yeah. got so much time. We experienced the blop. I'm just saying, look, they got two out of three, in my opinion, and that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yes, yes. For sure. And I even like some of the themes that were in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was just the show itself went kaboom. Yeah. Well, I think that's what was so frustrating about Falcon Winter Soldier is like, oh, you're finally going to talk about things like this and you're finally not going to be like America rah rah and you're going to 
uh, ah, come on. We could have done this <laughs> so much better in, in a much better setting. Again, if you trimmed it, if you trimmed it down to a movie, yeah, you make it not the yeah. overstuffed mess that it was. Um, you, you, you probably could have gotten. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they only would have kept the bad stuff. So yeah. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just Who's teasing. To say? Or just like, you know, trolling MCU fans over like mutants and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> that's all I'm going to remember that show is, is just everyone like, oh, here we go. Did you see that X? And it's like, no, that's just signs in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you to Rich and Nick for joining us this episode. And thank you all for listening. We'd love to hear all of your thoughts on Black Widow. There will be a post dedicated to this episode up on snarksquad.com. You can also find us on Twitter at snark underscore squad. You can find me at my name is Marines. I'm at Sweeney Says. I'm at NG Jenkins. And I'm at Rich Cammy and also at The Whack Pack Live. This podcast is produced by the Snark Squad and it is edited by Nicole Sweeney. And the theme music is by Stephen Jim. Jim.